Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Oh, a lot of youngsters are, you know, biting their fingernails and the mommies and daddies are probably biting even more than the fingernails, worried and concerned about how tomorrow might transpire. Let me speak to the Education Minister, Peter Weir. Minister, good morning. Good morning, Frank. You're welcome back to the programme in that guise. It's been a while, as they say. It's been a while. Uh, Minister, if we had have had an education minister over the last three years, would we still have selection at 11? Well, certainly if I was, I was minister, that, that would still be the case. Look, I, I appreciate this is an incredibly stressful time for families, for the children themselves, and obviously for their parents. And so I wish everybody well. Um, and indeed, whatever pathway people take, there, there are good options that are out there. Uh, but, you know, there hasn't been, let's be honest, there hasn't been a consensus on selection, I suppose, for more than half a century. The idea that... Um, suddenly there would be some sort of either political or indeed educational agreement on precisely a way forward. Uh, look, I, I support the right of schools to have um, the right to use academic selection uh, as entry requirements. Schools will always be, uh, a number of schools will always be oversubscribed. And I think there's no perfect system, but I think it's, it's one that at least uh, is better, I think, than the alternatives. Do you feel for the children who will go through a difficulty tomorrow morning? I had a friend who, uh, in recent times, had twins going through that exam. And one twin was expected to do very well, and another twin maybe would have found it difficult enough. And when the results arrived in, the twin who would have found it difficult enough excelled. And the twin where there was an expectation had gone down. You can imagine how hurtful that was. Number one for those two children, and number two for that family and that's replicated right across the country tomorrow morning in a whole lot of different ways no look absolutely on a on a, on a human level i think this can be extremely stressful uh, you know there will be problems that will be that will be there for families i i think the problem if we're looking at, at opportunities realistically i suppose the alternative is if, if we adopted for instance largely speaking the english system uh, which is comprehensive in its nature but actually, both in terms of the overall results that it produces, um, is one that, that doesn't have the greatest level of, of success rate, but also actually then leads to effectively a private sector where selection, selection in one sense is always going to happen because you will always have um, oversubscribed schools. But in England, I suppose, effectively, uh, and some of the other parts of the, the, the UK, you have selection largely by, um, by wealth. The, the 7% in England who then send their children to private schools, an advantage is given purely on the basis of those who can most afford to pay. So, you know, I, I think that um, whatever criticisms can be made of this system, and if we can take, uh, if there's any action that can be taken to uh, reduce the levels of stress, um, then 
those have got to be pursued and, and, and taken. Uh, so I entirely understand on a uh, on a personal level this is deeply stressful. But you know there will be that that problem of any form of transition or transfer that's that's uh, that's going to be the case. I always think about back at home where I'm originally from and I think of the excellent grammar schools that are in the area and I'm thinking primarily about the Sacred Heart Grammar School in Newry, Our Ladies Grammar School in Newry, St Coleman's College in Newry and the Abbey CBS Grammar in Newry as well and how well kids do going through those schools and traditionally have done very, very well. And there's a high school in Warren Point, St Mark's High School and the youngsters there equally excel when they do GCSEs and A-levels. Yet and all, so many of them, when they're 11, are told they're not good enough to go to those four fine schools that I mentioned. Well, I, I don't think it's a question of... of I, I think it's wrong if anybody is saying that, that, that they're not good enough. And you're right in terms of the uh, excellent um, academic record we have across the, the system. And For example, I, I believe it's the case that, that in last year's results for non-selective schools, when it comes to GCSE and A-levels, uh, they were better than, for instance, the average uh, for Wales. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, there are obviously barriers in, in, in whatever direction, but I think if we're looking, and we look, for instance, at the mix of um, children that go to our two universities in Northern Ireland, um, you know, I, I know there will be disagreement amongst educationalists, but I think that compared with other parts of the United Kingdom, we have a much greater level of social mobility. There is a much greater opportunity for children to, to climb the ladder. And, you know, whatever it people take and sometimes people can develop at different different ages i think there, there are good opportunities uh for children uh, and that's something i'm keen to ensure uh, continues yeah but you, you said there that the child wouldn't be told that he or she isn't good enough do you not think tomorrow morning that children will feel that that the local grammar school that they had followed the exam to qualify for uh, has sent them back a letter saying you haven't reached the standard. Is that not a polite, no, look, a polite I, way of saying you're not good enough? Well, no, look, I think if, if anybody is sending that message in, then they're wrong on that, that basis. Look, we're going to face a situation um, irrespective of whether you have uh, tests or not where there will be schools that will be applied for in any system where some children will get in and some children won't. And there's always a danger that some could, could twist that to say you're not good enough to get into school X uh, because they've been unsuccessful in doing that. I, I think that's the wrong approach uh, to take. Uh, and as I said, look, no one is suggesting that this system, or indeed any system, is perfect. But I think faced with, I think, what the alternatives would be, which would be a system that is much more driven by, um, by simply ability to pay, uh, and indeed a system which, in terms of its results in England, Scotland and Wales, have not been as strong academically in both the selective and non-selective system as they are here. I think what we have here is, a, is ultimately still a better system than, um, than it's across the water. Now, there won't be a consensus on that. You know, this is something which goes back 50, 60 years, and there's always been very strong and very genuine opinions held on both sides um, within that. But as I said, I, I support the rights um, of academic selection. Indeed, the fact that uh, tomorrow, in terms of the results, there will be more children... Um, we were told 15 years ago when um, the official sort of state test was, was abolished that this would then um, lead to sort of the academic section withering on the vine. We have had more children uh, in this year taking part in uh, those selection tests than were ever there in the state system. 
do you have some so you will have this a silly question to ask you do you have some sympathy of course you will you're a, you're a human being you're a, a parent you have, you have a, an understanding of how to bring bring up a child but what what sense of sympathy do you have for those youngsters tomorrow morning who have a tear in their eye oh no look look i understand it's it's it will be incredibly stressful on the human level and emotional level yes look, there's, there's got to be sympathy in the same way as as uh, as any child or any family who are trying to get into a particular school and don't get into it, uh, they're, you know, on a human level, they're, they're absolutely, there's a, there's a great deal of, of, of sympathy in relation to that. What, what I would say is that whatever route the child takes um, in terms of their school choice, uh, there is great opportunities in our system to, to succeed. And so whether you get the result you want or don't get the result, that's not the end of the, the story. What I would also encourage particularly is for parents to make sure, because there's still opportunities as, as time marches on as well, um, if they don't, for instance, get into the school of their choice, and that, that'll be the next step where people will, will, will learn that side of things. To add additional schools, it, it, it is important um, that um, people don't restrict themselves in terms of, in terms of their options so that, that as many children as possible can then be placed in schools as quickly as possible because I think the, the other, I think, element of, of stress with any transfer type situation is when a child is left without potentially a school and sometimes that can be because maybe the number of choices that have been made are, are too few in that, in that regard and I think the, the quicker children get uh, and the families have a level of certainty as to where they're going uh, in the next academic year I think that can also at least uh, ease a level of the, the stress that's there. Okay, Minister, appreciate you coming on this morning, thanks for speaking to us, thank you Thank you Frank that is uh, Peter Weir, the Education Minister. Do you accept uh, his analysis of the 11 plus, as we call it, the AQE and the GL? And are you waiting for it tomorrow morning? Uh, maybe you have a sense of excitement in your house whereby all the work is done and you're confident that George Josephine will excel. Uh, 0289033105. You threw it recently, as in last year uh, or the year before. Uh, did you think, well, a lot of fuss about nothing. That was uh, actually uh, a wonderful outcome. Or were there you know, tears on the pillow, wigs on the green, all of that. Did you get a sense of, ah, shouldn't have put the youngster through that trauma of trying to get into the local grammar school? If you have a story to tell us, you know the number. It's 02890 Now, Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
Here's a, a woman who'll probably be employing some of your children in the years ahead. And I think uh, she's got the same sense of having to deal with it. Uh, business uh, success story, Tina McKenzie. Tina, good morning. Morning, Frank. Yes, uh, Tina, have, have you got a youngster tomorrow morning who's facing the, facing the music? I certainly do. I have a little 10-year-old who's just been worried and worried over the last couple of weeks. No matter what you say to him, no matter how you tell him, it doesn't matter. Uh, he's just worried sick. No. And, and I have two, two other children that did it that, you know, didn't worry so much at all. A lot of it, it's not about parents winding them up or parents not supporting. A lot of it is how that child react, that individual child reacts. Yeah, so I was going to ask you if you have other experience of it and you have, as you've answered there, uh, yes. your other children have been have been through it. Now, the fact that your current child, the current participant in this exam, is worrying, is, is that sort of character building for him? Does he need to put the shoulders back, chest out and accept what happens tomorrow morning? Or do you slightly regret putting him through it? Well, he wanted to go to a particular school where his siblings are. I actually wanted him to go to that school as well because I'm I'm all for diversity and I wanted him to go to a mixed school. I didn't want one religion or, or one group of people and that school requires um, uh, the 11 plus or, or the AQE or whatever it is. So uh, he wanted that school so I didn't want to take that choice away from him. If I had the choice not to you know, send them to a good local school um, and where we could get rid of academic se- selection, I'd be all for it. And to be honest, Frank, I'm disappointed in listening to the minister earlier. I think he has a little bit of an outdated view on education. And I would like to point him to what's going on in other countries, places like Finland, where they have much better results. And I'm not just talking about academic results, but societal results. And in Northern Ireland in particular, we've got to do work on bringing our children together and get rid of this outdated kind of, you do two exams, one if you want to go to a Catholic school at 11 or 10, and one if you want to go to a state school, the AQE. So we've got a lot of work to do to reform this. And where the minister really misses the point is this. There was a report in 2015 that showed those families that are deprived have less chance it doesn't mean children don't do well from deprived families. It means they get less chance to do well because they won't have as much money to invest in tutors and all those other things, and they're usually dealing with much more pressures at home. So I think particularly in a place that has the highest deprivation in the United Kingdom, the highest poverty levels, the minister maybe needs to rethink how we can support families and children on the route ahead. You mentioned Finland, and Finland's yeah. always held up as the great example of an education system. But the statistics show that Northern Ireland is actually second, a close runner to Finland when it comes to our top grade pupils. We have such a good grammar school system that those who excel here in Northern Ireland are actually on the coattails of the Finnish. That, that's bound to be a no. commendation for grammar yeah. schools in Northern Ireland. And grammar schools in Northern Ireland, and lots of schools aren't grammar schools, do very well depending on the leadership, depending on the relationship of the teachers and the pupils. Um, But you can't just take one set of results and say, oh, the percentage of children in Northern Ireland to go to grammar school got this percentage of statistics, therefore compare that to Finland. When I'm looking at, when I look at the Nordic countries and other countries like Germany, I'm looking at the whole population. So did you know that those children that come out of 40% of those children coming out of state schools in Northern Ireland aren't even coming out with five 
GCSEs. So on the one hand, we can say we cream off at selection and then we put the, we, we try to put the best teachers with certain schools and the best leadership. And then the other children, they lose that peer group selection across their class. What I love about Finland is they really believe that in society, we're all going to be in workplaces together with all different talents. And they believe it's important in the secondary school that in a classroom you have people that are good at academia, you have people that are going to be really good technically, you've got people that are going to be good at the arts, and all of those things are as important as each other. So I think we've an opportunity in Northern Ireland to really revolutionise our education system and to build on what's brilliant about it. It's not saying that some things aren't fantastic, and especially some of the leadership here is fantastic, but to really build on it, but at the same time, take away this focus of Catholic and non-Catholic education. Really look at, you know, there's some amazing things going on, like, for example, in some countries they're saying, at 15, you'll go to trade college. You will go over here and you'll have an opportunity to go to drama college. You can go to a science college. And you can really go and focus on the things that you love to do as a youngster. And I can tell you, Frank... Our children, if we look at the statistics, you might be being told across the press that our unemployment figures are the lowest. If you count the amount of young people on ESA, Employment Support Alliance, which is just where everybody moves from JSA to ESA, we have the highest unemployment figures across these islands, truthfully. So the figures are being massed, and we have all these jobs we can't fill. So the question is, what is the quality of life? What are these children achieving? How can we make it better for them? And how can we do out, outmaneuver this outdated system and this test at the age of 10? Now, you mentioned Catholics and Protestants, and we'll have to factor in the additional issue for the minister here. The Catholics, if we take Catholics just as one group for a moment, they're not even in agreement on how to do it, never mind the Protestants being in agreement as to how to move forward. Because the Catholic bishops are recommending that selection at 11 doesn't happen, yet in all the Catholic grammar schools are insisting that it does happen. And many of the politicians who would be seen to traditionally represent Catholics want to do away with selection at 11, but there is a huge vocal support for selection at 11 from Catholics. And I'm only taking that religion as one section. Yeah. I could e- easily use well, examples in the, in the Protestant faith. So it's going to be incredibly yeah. difficult for, for the minister or for politicians to come to any form of agreement on this. Yeah. And I think particularly Peter Weir has a challenge here because anything he recommends that changes the system, he's probably going to get criticised if he's trying to take the Catholic education away from Catholic people. But, you know, the bishops may have said they didn't want to change it, okay? But actually, in 2013, there was a report given to uh, the Office of uh, Deputy and First Minister uh, where 63% of Catholic principals said they thought the transfer test wasn't fit for purpose and needed reformed. Yeah, but just so, on, the, on the bishops, the bishops have given advice. The bishops have given advice that we shouldn't be selecting at 11. Yes, and, well, no, the bishops actually are not in favour, though, of getting rid of pure Catholic schools. So let me give you an example. No, no, they're not, of course, they're not, in fa- they're not in favour of getting rid of Catholic schools, exactly. but they are in favour of doing away with selection. Yes, but if you look at St. Dominic's on the Falls Road which does particularly well, even though it's pulling from very deprived areas. The results are outstanding. Okay, they're some of the top in Northern Ireland. I have this question. If I live down the road, and I'm a family down the road, and I'm maybe 10 minutes from it, but I'm, and it's a state-funded school, and I'm not Catholic, 
shouldn't I get the opportunity to go to a school that has, that has excellent education? And that's where I and the bishops are going to disagree because I think all great schools should open their doors to all, irrespective of religion. And I think we should be bringing up the standards of all schools, irrespective of religion. That's happening quite a bit in the primary sector. Well, we're definitely seeing change. If you look around the Craigavon area, we've definitely seen, and also I think a lot of people in Northern Ireland in the education system are starting to waken up and smell, smell the coffee in the sense that you can't have two or three little rural schools with maybe 15 pupils or 20 pupils in each. That's got to change. We've only got a certain pot of money, if you've been hearing over the last couple of weeks. So effectively, we've really got to think about how we bring schools together. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't have pastoral care and leadership and and spiritual leadership, you know, and an ethos. I think you can do all of those things. And I still think if you want to have a particular faith, you know, you can accommodate that within a school. Um, I don't think particularly it helps our future that we are getting the kids at 10 and 11 to do either a Catholic 11 plus or a Protestant one. And just on that, what's really interesting, most people don't know where the 11 plus came from. It came from a guy called Cyril Burt, who was proved to be a fraudster. He did 40 years of research, and it was proven in the 1970s that he made up his statistics. He said he'd, he'd uh, interviewed 53 sets of twins that were separated at birth. And this is a guy who believed uh, that your talent was inherited, your intelligence was inherited. Well, all the people out there who come from families and know might have a sister who's, who's more uh, academically talented or a brother who's more technical. You know, this guy really believed in that old-fashioned stuff that you know about particular groups of people and all of that. It was proved to be a fake, yet we're still using that test. And as soon as that was proven to be a fake in the 1970s, Great Britain got rid of it and introduced the comprehensive system. So Northern Ireland... Which isn't, which isn't, which isn't, but in fairness, Tina, which isn't a flag bearer for success. uh, No, it certainly isn't. It certainly isn't, but at least they acted on it and they went with the comprehensive system. And their issue is they've now opened up the private system and it's about, you know, and that's gone a different way. We need not to go the way of Great Britain, but we need to look at our neighbours and the Nordics and look at those people that are getting the best outcomes. And I just don't mean academically. To have a happy and fulfilling life and a happy society, it's about looking at where we can uh, have better, higher level skilled jobs and giving people jobs that they like and want to do. And it's local to them, and therefore they can keep their families together. It's about building an economy that we want to have that's high value, and about getting all of our people participating, because when we leave people behind, that's when we get major issues. Okay, just one final point on the back of something you said earlier about school doors should be open to all. Quite recently, I was in a Catholic primary school. I was visiting that Catholic primary school. There were 28 children in the class. Nine of the children were Muslim. Eight of the children had no religion whatsoever. They came from families that would have described themselves as non-religious. That's 17 out of a class of 28 that weren't Catholic. So it's automatically changing, is it not? Well, that, you'll find that in areas where you have high levels of migration. And there are only, uh, there's certain areas, for example, if you look at parts of Dungannon, uh, parts of, let's say, Belfast, where you'll see high levels of migration. And that's wonderful for Northern Ireland, actually, because isn't it great that we have so much diversity that we can take it away from this 
this stupid argument of whether you're a Catholic or a Protestant that seems to have, uh, have been on the waves here for, for so many years. I think that kind of diversity, and that's why I wanted my children particularly to go to school like that, because to see and, and understand that the world around you is not simply, you know, this old argument in Northern Ireland is Catholic or Protestant. You've got so much so much cosmopolitan kind of views out there and so many different types of people and cultures that we want our children to be aware and open and learn from that. Okay. Uh, Tina, I hope it all goes well for that young man tomorrow, but uh, thanks for speaking to us. Uh, Thank you. Yes, thanks a lot, Frank. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is businesswoman Tina McKenzie. Uh, this is the U105 phone. It is half past nine. I'll take uh, some of your uh, points on this in just a moment. You know the number? It's 02890 That's the best number to get us on as we move through the day. 02890 You can give us a call. UK forward slash finance. Count down to the results. Suzanne's on line one. Good morning, Suzanne. Good morning, Frank. How did you approach it, Suzanne? I actually gave my child the choice himself at that age as to whether or not he wanted to do the 11 plus. And he came back and he said, no, he didn't want to do it, which I didn't force. I says, right, that's okay if you don't want to do it. And then we went and had a look at some of the high schools in around our area. And he decided which school he wanted to go and attend to, which was fine. When he went to school I had no expectations at all about him doing, as long as he came out with a good enough set of exams that he could get a job, I was happy enough but he excelled and the reason why he excelled was because he was willing to work at school and the teachers in that particular school, because he was willing to work, pushed him as hard as he could go and he came out with all A's in his GCSEs and they convinced him then to stay on to do A-level and again, he came out with all A's and B's in them, and he's now at Queen's. So I don't think people give our own high schools enough credit for the way that they produce youngsters. There are some there are some amazing high schools in Northern Ireland, there's no yeah, doubt about that. Do, do you want to, Suzanne, do you want to name that high school? Because you've given them serious praise. It's Dremore High School in Dremore County Down, and I give the teachers there 100% praise. They've done a fantastic job. Couldn't give them enough praise so I couldn't. Really, really well done to them all and they're so committed to the youngsters that they put through. Absolute success story, uh, Suzanne and your young fella didn't want to do the 11 plus but yet and all, he knew, and this is within the last decade, he knew that he was academically bright because he, he went on to excel, he's now a university student, so why do you think he didn't do it? Was, was it because at 10 or 11 he maybe hadn't the courage to face the exam or did he simply think, listen, Drumore High School would be a lovely place to go to? It could have been both. Now, he was, he was diagnosed as being dyslexic. What is it? Dyslexic? Yeah, dyslexic, uh, dyslexic yeah. yeah. Dyslexic, sorry. Dyslexic at the age of nine, coming up to the 11 plus. So maybe that knocked his confidence. I don't know. But uh, as I said, Drumore helped him the whole way through and he'd done fantastically well out of it. I took the choice to go to Queen's, which I didn't maybe agree with. I'd rather it took an apprenticeship, as was what you were talking about the other day there. And But he decided he wanted to go to Queen's. And again, he's doing really well. His results for the first year have been fantastic. So it's all down to the education that he got coming out of Drumore High School. 
Yeah, fair play. Well done. Uh, Suzanne, great story and uh, it could be echoed the length and breadth of the country. Examples like that of children who have excelled going through the high school system. Uh, some who didn't do the exam at 11, but others who failed it. And I, I, I say the word failed, you know, people dress it up in a whole lot of different ways. If a kid doesn't get what the kid is looking for, the child feels he's failed or she's failed. You can ban certain words from the dictionary and from the conversation, but there is a reality to life. Uh, Bill is a point. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Frank. Good. This, um, this is the point I'd like to make. I think maybe is that the, the test we take, I think it's too young for a child 10 years of age to decide its future. Uh, they do really, at the end of the day, do decide its future because if they do well and the parents will push them down that road, I think we should come to an age of 14, 15 when you've got a bit more grasp on life and realise what you want to do and not what your parents want you to do. I think it more or less made that point the other day. I was speaking to you about the apprenticeships and that. And I think yeah, there's too much pressure. We talk about mental health and all here. Are children being tortured at 10 years of age to go and succeed at something at that age? Do you not think it's a more realistic thing to do at a later age to say them? It's a question, Bill, that is often asked and it's a very relevant question. It, it, it's incredibly uh, relevant with regards to when is a child ready and some will take it in their stride tomorrow morning and some will be devastated. And, you know, there's the other side of the coin, what parents put themselves through as well. You could argue that the parents are worrying more at this moment than the child. And if that's the case, well, then that's okay. You know, a parent just has to take it on the chin. But a child should never be sitting on a Saturday morning in the depths of gloom in January at 11 years of age.